Oh, bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Oh, worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, well, David was a great man of God, really, wasn't he? You know, I get upset when some of these preachers talk about his failures. You know, when God forgives us, he doesn't talk about our failures. And I don't think we should. And you know, um, he was a man, it says, after God's own heart. You know, the trouble with the church is, they think, after they're blessed, they can go on because they are blessed and they are anointed and they might be gifted. They think they can just go on without the leadership of the Holy Spirit and you can't. It's a daily walk with God. Our Christian life depends upon our union, our communion with God the Father. We must wake up in the morning and say, I'm a child of the King, I'm a child of God. I'm one of his sons and daughters and my father is looking after me, but I have to come to him. You know, Bunyan says in some of his writings that the failure of many Christians is they come to Christ for their sins to be forgiven, but they stop there. They must come from the cross to the throne. Jesus sits exalted at the right hand of the Father. But he, in Christ, we are begotten of God to become, as we heard last night, a new creation. We're born of God. We have a heavenly Father. We are a new family. We are the family of God. And so we, in these sessions, are wanting to encourage you to take your place. Take your place. You know, Beverly said something last night. She said, take your hands off the ark. One of the problems for the church, probably one of the best writers on 1 and 2 Samuel, believe it or not, in my experience, is Calvin. And you think, well, would it be Calvin? But it is. <laughs> Very cleverly written, um, what we say, commentary of 1 and 2 Samuel. And uh, over the years, as before I even heard of these men like Boston and William Gurnell and these great men, the Scottish and Welsh revivalists, um, David was one of my favourite people. Favourite people because he was a worshipper. He was a worshipper. And we have to be worshippers as children of God. The, the problem for God's people, I, I remember I was reading an old uh, Irish expositor, he was a friend of J.N. Darby, and when he, in his, uh, he wrote a whole series of books on the Torah, which I've got at home, it used to be in little leather, um, leather books for each five books, 
but they've now printed it in one big book, which is quite difficult because it's a really big book. But um, as he says, God's purpose and plan for Israel was always the same plan for the church today. They were the church before the cross, we're the church after the cross. As I said to you yesterday, the gospel of grace started in Genesis, not Matthew. Uh, When you read Romans 3 and 4 with uh, Paul, the apostle, explaining the gospel, he uses the two great characters of Israel, um, Abraham and David. And in Exodus 19, is it 19? Yes. This is what God says. This is now... 50 days after Passover, this is where the law was about to be given at Mount Sinai, right? And this is what God says uh, to his, uh, through, through Moses to his people in Exodus 19, 3. And Moses went up to God and called unto him at the mountain, saying, Thou shalt say to the house, and, uh, and we were talking about this yesterday, he didn't say house of Israel, he said house of Jacob. <laughs> That's significant, because we've all been wheelers and dealers, haven't we? We've all had our little uh, ideas about what we should do, which are not quite right. The house of Jacob, he says, (laughs) and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to you, the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, you will be a peculiar treasure to me above all people of all the earth, for all the earth is mine. And you should be unto me a what? A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And this is what, you know, the church says regularly but does it mean it <laughs> and this is the problem isn't it and all the people answered said that all that the Lord hath spoken we will do will they and Moses returned the words of the Lord unto the people but if you go into, over into Exodus 20 now this is what the church says Israel and they said to Moses Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us. Listen to these words. Lest we die. Now, what kind of understanding of God is that? And that shows, you see, why these people never really entered into everything that God had for them. You see, and this is the problem, isn't it? Uh, fear not, for God is come to... And this is the reply that God gave from Moses to these, the church. For God is come to prove you, that you his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. Well, you know, I, it's, 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 this is the, there's a particular verse I want to show you, and it's in Amos. Amos is a famous name in our house because we had a cat called Amos. (laughs) He was a fine black and white cat. He was a really smart boy, he was. And he's gone to heaven now. 
unfortunately. <laughs> but we've got another black and white cat. We're wondering whether it's his grandson. He turns up at the door to see Irene every day. Comes to, comes to look at Irene. And of course, Irene loves her cats. Anyway, Amos. Amos was a prophet that really, well, the church had gone to a real decline, and this is, this is his prophecy in Amos 9.11. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof and I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of old. For what purpose? This is the purpose. That they may possess the remnant of Edom, that's Esau, that's the brother of Jacob, and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord that doeth this. Now, the, the, the strange thing was they've got a lot of trouble in the early church because we had all these Jews going around telling the converted Gentiles well, you men have got to be circumcised if you could be saved. You know, this nonsense. In Acts 15, you have uh, Simeon, I suppose, which is Peter. Simeon and uh, Peter. And they disputed this, and Peter stood up, and I, for the sake of time, I won't read all this, but, uh, you know, and... Um, uh, and then it says in Acts 15, 13, after they'd held their peace, James answers and saying, men and brethren, hearken to me. Simeon, Peter, hath delivered how God the first did visit the Gentiles and take out of them a people for his name. You remember when Peter had the vision and all this stuff, he told him not to eat it and the Lord said, what I blessed, you can eat. Remember? And then Cornelius came and he went to the house and he preached the gospel to them and the Holy Ghost fell. And they all got baptized in the Holy Ghost, didn't they? And spoke in tongues. Well, so this silenced the Jews that said the Holy Ghost was only for them, not the Gentiles. You know? Real denominational sort of stuff, isn't it? And, and this is what Peter says. He, he's now quoting Amos 9. After this I will return... And I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins of and I have set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, said the Lord of hosts, who doeth all these things. So he's quoting that same scripture. You see, God wants to build your temple up. He wants to build you up. Jude says, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. And you've got to do that. Speaking to yourselves, Paul says in Ephesians, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Be filled with the Spirit. Isn't it? And you've got to activate your temple. See, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are a person who's got Christ in you. You're a new creation, are you? Well, you've got to do something about it. Otherwise, your temple is going to go into ruin. And, and if something's going to fall down, and then the enemy gets in. As I said to you, the four giants that David slew towards the end of his reign, 
were the four brothers of Goliath. Fear, lust, anger and pride. Look, we've all had fear. Some of us worse than others. Some of us have really had bad times. And anger. Do you know, I think when Joseph was put down the pit and they went and left him, I would have said he's pretty angry. He must have thought, what wonderful brothers I've got. You know, left him in the pit and then they sold him to, he must have been getting pretty, you know, fearful, angry. We've all been through it. But you see, if we can keep, restore that tabernacle. Why David? I think David is mentioned because by Amos. Because when you think about it, if you think about Eli's house, you know, Eli's house and Hophni and Phinehas, the way they went on. You can remember how they went on with the women and all this nonsense. And then a prophet came and said, I'm going to cut off Eli. This is, this is the house of Levi that were chosen from, from the time they came out of Egypt and the tabernacle. They were the people that operated, the priesthood operated the tabernacle, you remember? And the holy place had to keep everything going and the sacrifices and, the, and the, you know, keep the water and the flavor and the bread baked, the special bread. Nobody knows the recipe to this day. But it was special bread, the 12 bread, the loaves, wasn't it? And God said, I'm going to cut them off. And what happens? A woman called Hannah starts praying. She's, she's barren. God uses barren people. Doesn't he? He resurrects them. And she has this little boy called Samuel. And Samuel gets in the temple with his ephod. And then God calls. Do you know God can use a woman who's barren to do something in God's house? And the little boy heard God. And it says, when he grew up, not one of his words fell to the ground. He heard God. He spoke God. And this is the problem, you see. Samuel had two sons, and they weren't very good. They weren't like Samuel. They took bribes. They went about not doing the right thing. And the Israelites said, well, we've had enough of this. Who's going to succeed you, Samuel? You see, that's why it's very important we in this ministry or any other place, Moses had enough sense to make sure he had a successor and his name was Joshua. What went wrong when they went into the promised land under Joshua? Joshua didn't have anybody to succeed him. And we have judges, you know, this book of judges like this. You know. Rubbish people doing horrible deeds, somebody said. And it's true. And yet it's God's house. And yet, in the book of Judges, which some modern theologians say shouldn't be in the Bible, it's shocking, you know, and all this talk. But that's the gospel. God has mercy on us when we mess it up. Doesn't he? You know, in my denomination, God sent Henry with the anointing. And the denomination didn't like it. Who is this man? He hasn't been to our Bible college. He hasn't learned to preach. And he, and he was a chain smoker, you know, and he used to bang the piano and he wasn't a... But God anointed him, see? So when you got in his meetings, you didn't look at the man, you just felt the glory of God. Why? Because he was anointed. 
You see David. So the whole thing about this, and so suddenly God is changing the rulership of the church from Levi to Judah. But this has already been prophesied when Jacob was dying. He said, the, when, they, when Jacob prophesied over Judah, and if you look at Judah's heritage, well, you know, those of us who read our Bible know what kind of background they had. But that's grace again. That's God's mercy on sinners like you and me, that we're justified and we're brought into the house of God and we're made kings and priests. Isn't it wonderful? But we've got to operate. You can't sit there saying, it's going to fall. No, no, no. The, the temple, you, you think about the tabernacle, it took an awful lot of people, the Kohorites, the Meherites, you know, the otherites, you know, three lot, and then the Levites, you know. They were all doing this work. It was bu- In fact, you had to be 20 to get in there, and 50, you retired. It was so busy. You know, you get a bull and cut the thing up and flay it and take it. You know, it was a lot of work. Spiritual labor is not what's very good, but we need to do it. Paul says in Hebrews 4, you've got to do your spiritual labor. It's more important than anything else. But the trouble with us we, we, we get up in the morning and then there's one and one. Yeah, I, I said to her, and I've been retired, they seem to be busier than when I was working. I said, what's going on? You know, the enemy can get you on the roundabout of life, but you've got to not let him. You've got to do what Hebrews, that's why I'm saying to read Hebrews, because you can enter the rest. There is therefore now a rest to the people of God. Because if you don't enter the rest, you can't operate in faith. Do you know that? If you want your faith to work, you've got to be in the rest, the finished work that Christ has done for you. No, you've got to understand that. Well, the point about this is that Israel, as, I, as they said to um, Samuel, oh, we want a king. And this is another problem for God's people. You know, it's, 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 you know this whole business about... Uh, the priest and the laity. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. That's you. You see what Paul, God said to them in Exodus 19 and 20? I want you to come out to be a prince. What did God say through Moses to Pharaoh? You let my son go. Israel is my son. You see, we've got to get this conception who we are, and we mustn't let this wilderness of the world with fear, lust, and anger blot out who we are. See, Satan wants to, wants to blot out your identity like he wanted to blot out the sons of Israel in Egypt. He wanted to drown them all. We're living in an anti-Christ society. We're living in tribulation days. You know, these people keep saying that the, tri- the tribulation's here, boy. Do you know last century, 293,000 Christians were killed every year in the 20th century, somewhere in the world. You think about Antichrist. And they're dying now while we're here. We're in the last days, and I tell you what, we better get, la- we better get our tabernacle working. We better put the lights on. Isn't it? Keep the fire burning. Keep filled with the Spirit. Why? Because we, 
you see, this is the point. When you get the tabernacle restored, Amos is saying, and Peter is saying, you will influence the heathen. Do you get it? You will shine. Like Tony said to me, it's not, it's not getting a, a person who's not a believer and ramming the word of God down his throat. It's being a believer. It's walking around with the glory, with the presence of God in your life. This is what we've got to come to. And then, as he says, we will then affect the heathen. Why the church will be manifesting the glory and the power of God. So we're in a state of recovery. That we get every temple moving here. You start functioning. And everything, you know, you come out all guns blazing, as it were. The Lord said to me, wake up, to me, about six months ago, wake up. I tell you what, we've got to deal with ourselves. Nobody else is going to deal with this. It's you and God, understand? And, And God has made a way for us to come to our Father through Jesus the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've got no excuse really, have we? We can come. His door is always open. Isn't it wonderful? And you know, Israel said, we want, a, we want a king. There are a lot of people, they want to sit in church, they don't do much. They want to be spoon-fed. Or as my mother used to say, they want Abraham's bottle. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was her name now? Ishmael's mother, Hagar. Hagar wouldn't have lasted long on a bottle. She had to find a well. Well, the fact of the matter is, do people know they got a well? I, I'm, I'm, I'm with some people down there, and I, they ask some questions sometimes and think, well, where have you been all your life? You know, the last Bible study was in the other week. This woman said, well, who rolled the stone away from the tomb? I've just written a book trying to work out who rolled the stone away from the tomb. Somebody's written a book. You imagine now about how the stone was rolled away from the tomb. That's ridiculous religious nonsense. I said to Will, it's in the Gospels. An angel came down from heaven. He just went and it moved. Oh, she said. This woman's been in church for a long time, I think. Well, where has she been? And another woman said, well, you see, I can't understand how these people live 900 years. I said, well, that was before the flood. Oh, she said, before the flood. What's that then? Oh, I thought. I, I, I have to bite my lip, you know. Before I say something, I shouldn't say. <laughs> But this is the state of the church. We need to rebuild the tabernacle of David. (laughs) Close up the breaches. To stop the fear and the lust and the anger and the pride getting in. You know, some people think, because my grandfather built this chapel where we live, that, well, my grandfather and my mother came here, so I must be all right. I'm here. Well, it's not like that, is it? It's about rebuilding the house of God. You're the... It's about getting everyone functioning, isn't it? Yeah. As Henry used to say, have you, got this, have you got the cup in your sack? 
Have you got the cup in your sack? <laughs> Did you know what that means? <laughs> yeah. When the brothers, the dear brothers, came to Joseph in Egypt, of course they didn't know it was Joseph, did they? <laughs> and they came for food. Remember they came for food because they were in a famine. <laughs> and they came and, and he sat them all down and he put them all in order and, and they were wondering, how does this man know that we're, how does he know that this is our ages and this is the order? And of course to his brother, you know, his brother was Benjamin, he gave him five times as much on their plate as the others. <laughs> five times as much. And they were looking, I think, oh, you got the lot now, we've got this. And then he put the cup in Benjamin's sack, remember? And after they'd gone away, he brought them back. And he said, oh, you're, you're, not, you're just a bunch of spies, you are. <laughs> you're going to lock them all up. <laughs> but you know, God has got a way, hasn't he? To get what he wants, and he... And and they wanted a king. Look, we've got Jesus. He's our king. Thank God for every ministry, you know, the body ministry. Thank God for the church. But you see, you and your father and your great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, don't rely on a man. You know, my grandmother was in a denomination where you couldn't do nothing until the prophet is spoken. Oh, no. Oh, no. You don't want some prophet telling you where to go and where to go. You've got your prophet, priest, and king, and he's Jesus. Isn't it? You don't need to have a word from man. You can get it from God. You know, I'm not against prophecy, but it, the word of God says, judge it. Judge it. Isn't it? You don't take everything everybody says. I've seen a lot of... Uh, wrecks, spiritual shipwrecks through people going on some idea that this is right, the word of the Lord, and it's not. Well, Israel gets the king, they ask for the king, and they get this bloke called Saul. What a disaster. What a disaster, Saul, isn't he? His head and shoulders above everybody else, but that doesn't mean much. God uses little men. He doesn't have to use any tall men. It's whether they receive the Holy Spirit and get the anointing, isn't it? Well, after a while, God says to he makes some mistakes or serious mistakes. I mean, when you read it, it doesn't seem that bad, but it is, obviously. And God says to uh, Samuel, you, you, this man, I'm rejecting him. I'm going to send you to somebody else who I've chosen to anoint to be king in his place. And Samuel said, if I go and anoint somebody else, he's going to kill me. He said, well, you do it in private, he said. But we know he killed a lot of people, so he shouldn't have killed. I've seen Saul in the house of God. I've seen him. My God, he's a very jealous person. And if you get up and you think you're doing it better than him, he'll kill you if he could. Yeah, that's true. Look here. God has given to every man severally as he wills. And it's up to him what you do in the church and how you speak and how you minister and how you sing or whatever you do. Don't be ever jealous of anybody else because if you get like Saul, 
You'll be going down to some witch in the end before you die. <laughs> Won't you? Terrible. But God gets David. Now the extraordinary thing about David is that, is that he was looking after the sheep. And I think in Basel they started that thing to keep the lambs in Bethlehem to sacrifice in Jerusalem, wasn't it? He was a, he was a shepherd. But in his work, as our brother said the other night, he was worshipping God on those hills, wasn't he? He killed the lamb, he killed the bear, and he, be, he was a worshipper. And as we know, when, when Samuel went to Jesse's house, he only brought the, the seven other brothers out, magnificent men, they looked. But no, no, none of these. You see, and this is the point we've got to watch. Is, is, this is the telling scripture that comes in one summer. God does not look on the outward appearance he looks upon the heart. You can't fool God. None of us. Don't come and think you can come into Father's house if you're not right. You've got to be right because he's made provision for you to be right. You've got the word to wash you. You've got the blood to cleanse you. And you can put yourself right. And if you confess your sins, he's right. And then you come. What is it? Hebrews 12. You've got to come God's way. God is fussy. God wants it right. It's got to be right. Because he's made it right. If he's given us his Christ righteousness, that makes it right. And you better come the right way or don't bother because you will touch the ark. Mm. You will. I've seen it happen. And this is the other problem. You think about it. Because of Eli and his house, Israel didn't really have the ark. It was sat in somebody's property for years and years. Is that the state of the church today? Do they have the glory? Do we have the power? Do we have the signs? Ask the question. We need to rebuild the tabernacle of David. What would David do? He recovered the ark. Yeah. He didn't know how to do it, mine. <laughs> Did he? Because the Philistines, remember it went to the Philistines and they had all this trouble and they sent it back on a cart to so Israel thought, oh, we'll put it on a cart like the Philistines. How stupid. You know, the fact of the matter is, it wasn't ever supposed to be put on a cart. You know, we say, oh, he's in the cart. Well, that's where it comes from. You put, it, you put something holy in the cart. You know you've got to be carried on shoulders of priests. Isn't it? You know, we want the presence of God and the glory of God, but it comes God's way. No other way. It's God's way. He will not give his glory to another. You better come God's way or it won't happen. So if we're not having the glory in the presence of God, we better ask, examine ourselves. We've got to say, what is the breach in my tabernacle? Where is the hole that the enemy is messing me up to stop me experiencing what God wants? You know, God is just but he's also very, very keen on particulars, as we heard. Everything needs to be right. 
And David found out you could not put the... And when that man died touching the ark, he, he, he was frightened. He was really frightened, wasn't he? He didn't know what to do. And so they had to look up the books, get back to the word, find out what God says. They got to find out what God said, you carry it. And, then, and as we heard the, uh, with one of you yesterday, David was so glad because he knew that if he could get the ark where it was supposed to be, he would have victory over all his enemies. And if you can get the ark in your life where it's supposed to be, you will have victory over all your enemies. You will be an overcomer. You will. I tell you, the enemy, it doesn't sleep. Oh, no. No matter how long you've been traveling this life of faith, he'll still have a go at you. I know that. He try and destroy you. He knows exactly your weaknesses and your strengths. And God knows. And what, the, what, what this rebuilding of the tabernacle means, you won't have weaknesses, you will be strong. You know, when I was trained in business, I'd have to go to a business and, and you'd look at it and, you know, I used to go and they could see where, and I was trained to see why they were losing money. And you, and, and you see, and you'd, and you'd work, work it all out and you see they were doing all this work, but they weren't making any money. What's the point of doing all that work for no profit? No. If you're failing somewhere, you better ask God. Oh, Yeah. God will show you. That's what you've got a heavenly father for. He'll discipline you too. He will. And I tell you, this is what we've got to come to. We've got to realize that we're under a tremendous new kingdom and government. Isn't it? Thy kingdom come, we pray. Bet, but will, he, will you let it come and reign in you? Will, it, will I let it reign in me? Or are we just going to do what we want? As the book of Judges says, they did everything they thought was all right in their own eyes. Isn't they? And what a mess Judges is. <laughs> but it's still the gospel. God still didn't forsake them. And God preserved the seed of Christ even through the book of Judges. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. God has got a way of finding somebody as Wigglesworth used to say, Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to sow themselves strong to those whose heart is perfect before him. Examine yourself, Paul said, to see if you be in the faith. You've got to do it, haven't you? You've got to, you know, your fridge can get pretty dirty, pretty quick, can't it? You stuff all this stuff in the fridge and in the end you think, something's smelling in there. I wonder where that smells come. You take it out and you find there's some rotten stuff at the back of the fridge. You can have rotten stuff in your heart, you know. You have to keep it cleaned out. Oh, yeah. We, things can happen to us. 30 years ago, we're lying in bed and, and then the enemy can say, oh, look what that bloke did to you 30 years ago. And you go, I'm not going to get that bloke. <laughs> I'll go around and throw a brick through his window now. No, no, you can't do that, you see. <laughs> no, no. No, you can't. 
You see, if Jesus forgives us, we'll have to forgive those who defend us, isn't it? But we have a problem with all this stuff, don't we? Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, well, we could go on and on about it. But David, anyway, he gets anointed. As soon as he gets anointed, he hits double trouble. <laughs> Gosh, he hits some trouble. <laughs> he saves Goliath. And, and this dear man, king called Saul, talk about jealousy. Wow. <laughs> He's chased for 13 years, man. But God told David, don't you touch him. God says, I'll deal with him. That's justification. That's what you've got to understand. That's what David understood. Let's get this in Romans 3. Romans 4, is it? This is how Paul puts it in Romans 3. What should, Romans 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father has pertained to the flesh? Is Abraham justified by works? He hath whereof to glory God, but not before God. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto righteousness. That's justification. Now to him that worketh is the Lord, not reckoned the death, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is kind of, even, and this is what he says, as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness. David understood it. He understood the gospel. Imputation of righteousness. That's justification. How could David? I believe, you know, when we think of the prophecies, I mean, uh, Paul read Psalm 22. What a tremendous prophetic psalm that is. How detailed is the psalms? He was, he, it, the anointing that came on his life showed him Christ. Yeah. He showed him the seed. Why was David so bold? Because he knew the covenant that had been ratified with Abraham's circumcision, and when he stood before Goliath, this uncircumcised Philistine will fall. And you've got to understand that the cross has circumcised your heart, Paul says in Colossians, and you're now able to stand in the presence of God. It's wonderful. But you've got to go under his leadership. And this is our problem. You can't make your own decisions based upon your own feelings that, that, that the, the, life of the, the life in the spirit, the life of the believer is a life of faith. You've got to walk by faith. And, and, and this demands obedience to the word of God. And, and, and this is what he says, the blessedness, without saying blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I tell you, uh, David understood all these things. This is what he says in Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. And this is what he says, see. If I say, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, 
I will guide thee with mine eye. That's what we need. That's David's success. You read his psalms. They're wonderful. Psalms are praise, and many of them prayers. He, he, God saw his heart and anointed him. And God's got no favorites, as Henry said. It's just a question. If you just get under, and God will anoint you. And everything's different when it's anointed. What you couldn't see, as Jesus says, the eyes they can't see, but to you it is known the, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. See, David understood this. And of course, when he got the ark back, where did he put it? He put it on Mount Moriah. Oh yeah, he put it on Mount Moriah. And as we said before, it, there was no veil. <laughs> He was stepping ahead in faith to Christ. Think about it. He was stepping ahead to Christ. And on that ark and that covering, the glory was. Isn't it wonderful? And every time David had to face the, the, the Philistines, he didn't say, I'm anointed, I can do this. Oh no, oh no. He got the ephod out. He got the priest there. Well, we've got an ephod we got the Holy Spirit. we got a priest. He's Jesus. <laughs> and we can go to our Father. And he can give, as, as it says in this psalm, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. And this is David. Be glad in the, in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. Oh, and don't do this in church. Shout for joy. <laughs> Ye the upright in heart. Look, David made mistakes, but he kept his heart right. He did repent. He, he caused him trouble. <laughs> he caused him trouble. We learn a lot from David's men. If you study 1 and 2 Samuel, there's all sorts of characters in there. They get up to all sorts of monkey business. And that's just like the church today. The Joabs. <laughs> oh, Joab, yeah. Yes, Joab. <laughs> and Abner, and oh yeah. Abner knew that David was anointed, but oh no, he went and anointed one of Saul's sons, Ishibosheth, or some odd name. He didn't last long. <laughs> you won't last long if you're not doing what God wants in God's house. <laughs> You'll disappear. <laughs> But to those that are walked by faith and not by sight, David's got a lot to show us. And eventually David gets this ark. And so we've got the songs of degrees, psalms of degrees, haven't we? At the end of the psalms, the ascent and the descent. And what we've got to learn to do when we gather together is get the mind of the Spirit. Don't rush. Wait. It doesn't have to be your favorite chorus. No. God has got a big variety. <laughs> he can bring any song from anywhere to your mind if you're waiting on God. And what happens? The anointing, the, the glory starts to fall. And when that glory comes, it sets people free. Freedom. 
you get freedom. And that's what we want. You know, everything will drop off in the glory. It comes with, comes with great weight. And it just squashes everything out. <laughs> and that's what we need, isn't it? All we can do is encourage one another to walk by faith and learn from these men, isn't it? I mean, David made mistakes and he, ooh, he nearly lost his kingdom. You read about Absalom. Well, that was serious. You know, what about Ephicthiel? And of course, Joab, he thought, well, this David, you know, fancy him going off with Bathsheba. I'll find another king to replace him. I'll find Absalom. Get shot of him. You can't do that. You can't. You know, we're all prone to sort of point the finger, you know? Judge people. We can't do it. And I, I, I have to keep repenting. Because I see something, I think, oh, let's, you know, do something about it. No, no, no. This is God's house. He's the boss. <laughs> He's the head of the church, isn't it? You know, when I was younger and I had this church, we had this church. I, <laughs> I remember one, I gave a jolly good rollicking, you know. And I said to me, you don't give people rollickings in church. I was learning, you see, I didn't know, you know, and I wasn't wonderful myself, you know. You know. <laughs> you know, this is the problem, isn't it? And, the, and, and, and Joab caused an awful lot of trouble, didn't he? Of course, David wasn't right to go with Bathsheba, but he shouldn't have made a judgment and say, I can put his son Absalom on the phone. No, no, we've got to wait for God. We've got to go to our Father. We've got to ask him, what is the way? See, this is David's secret. He never went before God in the matters of war and administration. Family life, a bit of a disaster, yes. But leave that alone. We're not talking about, we're talking about how we can restore the tabernacle of David that Peter's talking about in Acts 15. Because if the church can get the glory, we can get the heathen in. What attracted me to these meetings? The glory. I mean, it doesn't attract everybody because I remember being in these meetings. Some bloke came up to me and he said, what is going on in these glory meetings? He said, are they all related or something? (laughs) (laughs) See, some people are like the Pharisees, aren't the Sadducees. They didn't know, they didn't see the glory of God. And yet when John opens his gospel, he says, we beheld his glory, didn't he? As the only begotten of the Father. When you work it out, when Jesus came, there weren't that many knew who he was, was there? Was there? So you've got to be looking. You've got to be expecting. A woman, a man, a woman of faith is believing. I'm believing that God is going to help me in whatever I'm going through. What are you got to go through? What are you going through? Well, do you know, God, God has got the answer. Our Father has got the answer. I... I you know, don't go to a man, go to your father. Go to your father. I, 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 was, uh, I was a bit, you know, getting a bit grumpy. I even said, no, you're becoming a grumpy old man. I stop it, you know. Because <laughs> I was going through something a bit I didn't like. <laughs> and uh, I open my Bible and it falls on this page. And uh, it says... Uh, let us therefore fear, 
lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. Well, I wasn't feeling in rest at all. I was annoyed. <laughs> now, you see, and the Holy Spirit said, yeah, well, you better start looking at yourself. And you know, there is a rest of the people of God. It says, for unto us was the gospel preached, or un unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, he's talking about Israel, you know, coming out of Egypt, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It's got to be mixed with faith. For we which have believed do enter into rest. See, the, the, the thing about this, this plan of redemption was the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. God is a master planner. You know, nothing surprises God. Everything is planned, isn't it? The question is, are you going to be a sheep or are you going to be a goat? Isn't it? Are you going to be one of God's house or are you going to go off and do your own thing? I mean, I've had, I've had some difficult times in my life, really difficult times when I've really wanted to do something. And God is, you know, it's like the Psalm 23, it says, um, what, is it, what is Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it says, he maketh me to lie down. I don't want to lie down, but he maketh me. You break your leg or something, you know, you do something, so you won't, won't be able to do anything. He'll make you lie down. Yeah. God has been very hard on me. I can't, I won't bore you with all I've been through because you've been through enough yourself. <laughs> but I can tell you, I've been through some stuff and I think, well, I'm still here. But that's the grace of God, isn't it? That's the mercy of God. And in these, all these circumstances I go through and, and I said, well, when are you going to really acknowledge that I am your heavenly father? You know, if it's, you know, when are you going to fully understand that I'm your father? No. You know, I do my best for my children. Jesus says, earthly fathers do their best, but your heavenly father, he says, knows best. He does, doesn't he? He knows how to give good gifts unto his children, doesn't he? Doesn't he? So I believe that in these days ahead, we can get better, we can get stronger, can't we? Because we've got this word. Do you know, Amos said another good thing, Amos. He's a good book, Amos. He said in Amos 3, 4, he says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secrets unto his servants. I'd like to know God's secrets, wouldn't you? Yeah, he yeah, revealed things to you that nobody else knows about. Or as Jesus says in Matthew 13, the mysteries, to many, is a complete mystery. What are those people talking about? But you have your eyes open. 
See, the anointing anoints your eyes and ears to see and to hear what God wants you to receive. Because faith cometh by what? Hearing. Yeah. Faith cometh by hearing. There's a hearing problem in there, the body of Christ. Isn't there? Why haven't we got faith for something? Because we're not hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So hearing comes by this word. So you just got to stay with it. Don't run around like a headless chicken wondering what the heck I'm going to do. No, no you come to your heavenly father. This is the problem, isn't it? You know, I, I was going through something quite tough six months ago and uh, it was really getting to me and, 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 and the Lord said to me, don't you believe I'm your heavenly father? Why don't you bring everything to me? Mm. And it's absolutely amazing. Do you know, I can testify when I did this and, and, and did it in the day after day, it felt that this whole load had completely gone. Absolutely. I felt such freedom. I can't, it's hard to explain it in words. You know, so if you've got something that is bothering you, I mean, you know, all sorts of things can bother you, can't they? And you don't, you know, a lot of us don't want to tell anybody, do we? Because some of the stuff that bothers us is better we don't tell. <laughs> it's better we tell our Heavenly Father, frankly. That's why we've got him. <laughs> you know, it's no good, this, you know, going to bed and stewing at night and saying, oh, I'm going to go to this and gritting your teeth and getting annoyed and then you can't sleep and then you get up and take your cup and drink something and that makes it worse and then you get back to bed and you think, what the heck's going on? Enter the rest. Isn't it? There is, the, that's why I'm telling you to read Hebrews. It, it, it really helped me. I don't want to help you. I don't know. God will show you what to read. But read the word, isn't it? Isn't it? Because we're all going to face stuff. You're going to face stuff when you go back home. I can assure you. There's stuff waiting for you. But we've got a secret. <laughs> we've got a secret. <laughs> we've, got, we've got access to something that is higher than anything else. Isn't it? It's in the courts of heaven, isn't it? Isn't it in the courts of heaven? A few months ago, a man met, sent me a horrible letter, a terrific long thing, and I wanted this, that, and the other from me, you know. And uh, I spoke to one of my advisors. He said, put it in your file, don't speak to him, and say nothing. I thought, all right, fair enough. Well, Sarah was praying. She said, Lord, sock it to this bloke. <laughs> Sarah said to me, don't worry, he's going to get, run, into a, run into a bridge or something shortly, or something. Well, the fact of the matter is we never heard from him again. <laughs> Do you know, we've got somebody up there who's got all power. <laughs> Haven't we? Haven't we got somebody who's in charge? <laughs> you know, the men think they're in charge of everything, don't they? These politicians are brilliant, aren't they? Aren't they? Yeah, oh. <laughs> Oh, 
I don't think. Well, <laughs> but we've got somebody in charge, haven't we? And we've got to go to him. You know, if God so loved you and chose you and adopted you and gave you access and has actually given you a new name, it's written down in the book of life, isn't it? Is that right? And, you, and we belong to this, as I keep telling you, this Hebrews 12. You know, this, we belong, we, you know, we're just, we, we, we're here in body, but we can be there in spirit. Isn't it? We, we belong to a heavenly people. You've got to understand, whatever God's men and women moved out, it says when Israel moved out of Israel, the hosts of God moved out with them. And then when Pharaoh thought he'd kill them before the Red Sea, the hosts of Israel went, instead of in front of Israel, went behind them. And they didn't know what they were going. <laughs> you see, we've got, we've got angels. Haven't we? We've got an angelic force. Haven't we? On our side. If we can keep in communion and keep in union with God, and as Paul says, and look at Paul, what he went through. You read it in Corinthians, absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. But as I said last night, the glory of God kept him. He was kept by the power of God. And we've got to understand that no weapon, as Paul said, formed against you can prosper. If God be for you, who in the world could be against you? You know, we've got the most... I mean, what, you know, this woman about this book about rolling a stone away. One angel just came and went, and this big stone just went. Well, one angel killed a whole a Syrian army, didn't it? I don't know how many thousands. One angel. We're talking about a spiritual dimension. You, 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 you were a dead spirit, but in Christ you've been raised a new man. Romans 6, what a wonderful chapter Romans 6 is. Oh, planted together. We've been planted together. Oh, it's wonderful. The revelation that Paul was given of the church is phenomenal. Absolutely tremendous. And he was taken to heaven. You see, if we could grasp, and as we look into this, this is the will of God for you. This is the will. This is it. And you're inheritors of everything here. Yeah, you are. So if you're short of something, you know, just ask Heavenly Father. Yeah. Irene and I look sometimes, and I'm not that brilliant like some of the people here, but I don't know quite where everything's come from. Quite frankly, I do not know. I still puzzle. Where did it come from? Maybe it was rained down from heaven. I don't know. <laughs> But God has got a way of blessing you without you realizing it. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and added. What did Jesus say? say? Seek first the kingdom and what? His righteousness. That is the key. Righteousness is the key to the gospel. Everything God does is righteous, is just, it's upright. And that's when you understand that you're justified, you're being completed because you've been given Christ's righteousness and now you can go to the throne. 
we can go boldly because we're covered in the blood and the righteousness of Christ and we can come to that throne and receive what we need. Well, I believe that God will help you. There's nothing too hard for God. You know, when, when Israel asked for meat and, and Moses said, well, where, where, all, where are all the butchers going to come from to feed all this bunch? And the Lord said, there's nothing too hard for me. <laughs> and he just rained it down. He rained it down. I remember when I was blessed through Henry, this anointing, I got blessed through Henry, and I was training in this job, and they put me in a business that was horrendous. <laughs> what was going on in this business was dreadful. It was losing thousands a week. And... Do you know, I said to the Lord, what are we going to do here? And the Lord said, you do this, that and the other. And in 12 months, it wasn't losing that amount of money, it was making that money. That's God. That's God. That's how God works. He gives you wisdom. The Father can give you wisdom that you haven't got, but you have to ask, seek and knock. He will. And he, as, as he said in that psalm, he will direct your paths. Look how God gave wisdom to, to David. How many times could he have killed Saul? But that was wisdom, wasn't it? See, wisdom. Many of us would have killed Saul, wouldn't we? <laughs> this, this lying, jealous, so-and-so. <laughs> Get rid of him now. But you see, God's ways are best. God's ways are best. We have to wait for God to lead us and to guide us and direct us. So in the days ahead, God is going to help you and me. I mean, funny enough, coming up here, and we, we, we hadn't, didn't have a very good journey the first part. We went somewhere, we stayed, and, came, and, I, and I said to me, the Lord has told me we should do this, that, and the other. Well, do you know, the Lord did tell us to do this, that, and the other, because it all worked out fine. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's a good job I got hiring, I see. <laughs> I don't quite know where I'd be if I didn't have a... <laughs> the Lord knows his ways are best, aren't they? His ways are best. You know, Adonijah, David's son, thought, I, I should be on the throne next. Didn't he? You've always got these people in the church, they think, I should be doing this. No, no, no. Wait for God. Wait for the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. The gospel isn't really about you and me. It's about Jesus. <laughs> but because we're in Christ, and he's inherited everything from the Father, we are sons, we get the inheritance as well. It just falls on us. Doesn't it? Well, I can see some of you have been really blessed. <laughs> Not to mention anybody in particular. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful what the Lord can do? I pray that as you study David, there's a lot in David, a lot of characters there, a lot of people involved, and it shows you how David's life was directed. Yes, he made mistakes, and you will make mistakes. I've made mistakes. We'll all make mistakes, but God will turn it to good. 
He will turn it to good, as, as we had that wonderful word from Julia, was it? Last night, you turn whatever the enemy is meant for, you know, we're dealing with a very subtle, dangerous enemy. You've got to understand this. Oh, he's subtle. You see, the trouble with sin is not only wrong, but it's deceptive. It's deceptive. It's like these people that fall for a scam. They're deceived, aren't they? To think, oh, if I invest all this money, then I'm going to get all this interest. Well, of course, it can't. It's too good to be true, isn't it? It's never going to happen, is it? And, and it's the same with Satan. He comes with his scams. And he, oh, some bright idea. Oh, no. Oh, no. In faith and patience, be patient, you will inherit the promises. So let us wait on God, isn't it? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Isn't it wonderful?